Our Old Testament lesson this morning is from the book of Job, chapter 19, verses 21 through 27, which can be found on page 807 in your pew Bibles. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made, and God, we thank you for your word that you've given to us. Lord, we do ask that you would help us this morning as we uh, hear your word read and proclaimed. God, that you would give us ears to hear and minds to understand and hearts that are ready to receive your message. Lord, that by your word and your spirit we would be changed, and we would be changed for the good that you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Job nineteen twenty-one through 27. Job, in the midst of all of his um, suffering of life circumstances as well as suffering of uh, his friends that have come to comfort him, <laughs> says this, Have pity on me, my friends. Have pity, for the hand of God has struck me. Why do you pursue me as God does? Will you never get enough of my flesh? Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another how my heart yearns within me. And turning to Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, you found on page 1826 in your pew Bibles. Paul, closing out his letter to the church in Philippi, he's writing to them from prison in Rome, says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Yodi and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the Gospel of John... 
there are a lot of the number seven that uh, show up throughout the Gospel of John, the way that he writes this, this number of completion or per- perfection. And uh, there are three main sevens that show up throughout the Gospel of John. One um, is the times that Jesus says, I am, period. Kind of that echo of what God said to Moses when he said, uh, who shall I say sent me to you? And God says, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. All right. And then we have Jesus saying this, I am. In the middle of conversation with somebody, boom, I am, period. And it's like, whoa, what is he saying? There's another thing he says, though, uh, seven times in the book of John, and that is, I am, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. These kinds of things. But then there's another set of seven that, uh, things that John writes about. As he tells us at the end of his gospel, he can't record everything. If he did, the whole world wouldn't have enough room for the books that would be written. Uh, Jesus did a lot of things and said a lot of things. But he's recorded seven signs that Jesus performed, things that Jesus did that showed who he was and what he was about. And so we see you know, the turning the water into wine. We see the uh, healing of people's uh, kids. We see there are these different things that he does that are signs, a feeding of 5,000 people in the middle of the wilderness. What do these mean? And so far, we have seen uh, five, as we've been going through the book of John, we've seen five of the signs. We have seen uh, five of the times where he says, I am, period. We've seen four of the times where he said, I am, dot, dot, dot. Today, we get number five. We'll be all caught up and ready to keep going. Um, but because we have all these fives, I want to talk about something else in, that we may be more familiar with when it comes to a number five, even if you aren't aware that you are aware of it. <laughs> and this is the five stages of grief. You all familiar with those? The five stages of grief, I promise you, if you're older than like three years old, you have lived these, <laughs> whether you're aware of them or not. So uh, these have been identified as the, uh, the stages people go through when they are grieving the loss of anything. This could be uh, the loss of someone that you love dearly. That's the one we typically think of. But this can also be the case when you lose uh, something that isn't even up to that, but like if you lose your job, you're going to go through these stages. If you lose a close friend uh, and, or even just lose that friendship, you're going to go through these stages. If you lose just the, uh, the future that you thought was going to happen and it turns out it's not going to happen that way, you're going to go through these stages. And uh, the thing about these stages that I have to make sure we point out before I tell you what they are is that you don't just work your way from one to the next to the next to the next and then you're done. (laughs) But it's the kind of thing that you will go through all five in no predictable order and in no predictable severity (laughs) and for no particular number of times. 
And so you may go through, you know, number one, three, and four, and then back to two, and then back to one, and then back to you know, jumping all over the place. And the way I like to talk about it is just like waves that just keep coming and they just keep hitting you out of nowhere. And you end up in another one of those stages. And it's, what, what is going on? And if you've ever gone through this, you go through it kind of mildly for various things. But if you've ever gone through it severely, you think you're losing your mind. Because you don't see it coming and it just hits and hits and hits and hits. And you don't even know from one day to the next, from one moment to the next, emotionally how you're going to be. So here's where they are. Um, denial. That isn't real. This isn't happening. That can't be right. Um, and I'm not going to get these in any particular order either. Bargaining uh, would be the, um, okay, I understand that this is happening, but what if I do this? If I do this, then maybe this won't happen. Like maybe it's not too late, and we can kind of make a deal here, and this we can go back on what this news is. Um, one of them is completely escaping me right now, and that's going to make a a four instead of a five. Oh, I skipped anger. You can't skip anger. Okay, uh, anger. <laughs> that's that's a big one. The just being really upset at whatever it is that's happening being mad at the injustice of it all. This isn't how it's supposed to go. Uh, then another depression. Just really sad at the loss. And then acceptance. That this is the new normal going forward. And like I say, you don't go through those in any particular order. And the Severity changes, and the number of times you kind of go back through them may change quite a bit as well. So why do I bring this up? Um, I bring this up, I think it's helpful to know, if you're ever experiencing that for any reason, that this is normal. And you may feel like, you know, everything you're experiencing is completely unique to you because you've never felt like that before. But let me tell you, this is what, like as I say, we all go through this to one degree or another um, a lot of times in our lives. And it's just helpful to know that's what's going on. Um, but here's another reason it's helpful to know about this, not just for when we're going through it, but when someone we love is going through this. You don't know, just like they don't know, you don't know what stage they're in when you're talking with them. <laughs> and to be able to meet them where they are is important. This is a skill Job's friends did not have. So Job has experienced some major loss. And as you kind of read through the way he processes this stuff, his friends go through and they're like, yeah, what we want is for you to just be uh, kind of where we are on this. And he's like, that's not where I am. <laughs> Why can't you be good friends? And then we're going to see uh, today, Jesus is a good friend. In a situation where uh, someone has lost her brother, he has died, and Jesus shows up. There are a lot of people there who have come uh, to grieve with her. And Jesus shows up, and he is able to do what I wish we could all, all do all the time perfectly, 
we are pretty hit or miss on all this stuff, but uh, Jesus is able to both meet her where she is and to help her where she needs to go. I had a professor years ago who said those are the two things that you always want to be able to do with people in just education in general, is you want to be able to meet them where they are and then help them where they need to go. Jesus does this time and again perfectly. This is what we'll see with, um, with Martha. This is in John chapter 11. As we are nearing the, uh, fifth, or the sixth sign in the book of John, we'll get to that. Not today. But today we have uh, verses 17 through 27 as Jesus arrives in Bethany um, after Lazarus had died. We saw last week that the reason that Jesus delayed is actually because he loved this family. It's weird. Um, But that is the reason. And now he's actually come, and he does. He loves this family. So verse 17, on his arrival... Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. And then we get the interaction. So far, everything that's happened is just kind of set up for this dialogue that's going to take place. Um, There's also some... Background here that will explain things we'll get to next week, but we'll hold off on that. So here's the dialogue. Martha has come out. She's met Jesus. It's just the two of them out there to have this conversation. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And that's where we're going to go today. There is more that will take place here, but I want us to examine this conversation because of how it shows Jesus meeting her right where she is and taking her where she needs to go. The, Martha says four sentences in this conversation. And it may be that this is a condensing of their conversation to, okay, here's kind of the gist of it. But the four sentences that we have here uh, for us, she says four things, and all four of them are statements of what she believes to be true. Isn't that interesting? What we are not getting from, uh, from her is any sort of emotional response. And you're thinking, that's kind of weird. Because, you know, her brother just died and she loved him. And yet, this is where she is. And I think it's important to recognize that not everybody processes things the same way. And so we're going to see next week how her sister processes this thing and how she is kind of in a different place and the way that Jesus meets each of them right where they are. But for Martha, when she comes out, the way that she talks to Jesus is by saying, here's what I believe to be the case. Let's talk about this theologically. Look, sometimes this is where people are 
a lot of times this is not where people are in all the stages of grief. This is apparently where Martha was at this point. And so if Jesus meets her right there and says, okay, if you want to talk about the theology of all this, if you want to talk about what you believe to be true, let's, let's go there and we'll talk. And before we just move on and look at their conversation, let me also just point out, nobody else was doing that. I don't mean like nobody else who came to visit. I mean, nobody in the area would have had this kind of a conversation with her because she's a woman. That wasn't done. You, you talked about these kinds of things, you know, in male company. Or maybe you'd talk about this with your wife at home sort of thing. Or women might talk with each other about this. But you didn't cross this kind of a thing. The, and these were generally topics for the experts. When Martha comes and first makes her statement, uh, she says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, you can read into that some emotion and the, I'm blaming you for this. But I don't feel like that actually is accurate as you go through the rest of this passage. She's just saying what she knows to be true. In other words, I understand that he has died. And that does not diminish my faith and trust in you. I think that if you had been here, even though nobody else could have done anything, I think you could have. I think you have the power. Like You have such a relationship with God that when you pray for someone to be healed, they are healed. So I'm still with you on this. And then she says, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Still, same kind of thing. That I still believe that you have this kind of relationship with God that when you pray, he answers. All right, this is where she is. This is where Jesus is going to take the conversation. But again, his response could have been, you know, look, we'll save that conversation for the experts. We'll save that, you know, we'll let other people talk about that. But he doesn't. In the same way we saw in chapter 4, Jesus is talking with a Samaritan woman. And she is shocked because Everybody knows where the lines are and who you're supposed to be having these kinds of conversations with and who you're not. And Jesus doesn't care about where those lines are. He cares about his people. And so he talks to a Samaritan woman and he talks to her about theological things. He talks to Martha right here. He talks to when the disciples see children coming up to Jesus and they try to keep them away. No, this is not for you. And what does Jesus say? Oh, let them come. <laughs> yeah, the kingdom of heaven it's for these too. It's, it's for such as these. And so we're all the time trying to draw these boundaries of who gets to have these conversations and who doesn't. And Jesus says, if anybody is wanting to have these conversations, I'm up for it. Let's go there. And so he does with Martha. And here's what he says. His initial response, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Oh. <laughs> Brilliant. Right where she is, goes right in, talking about what she's talking about. But the way he does it kind of pushes a little bit. But here, she doesn't get the push yet. Because in that day and age, in that uh, time, there were two main groups of religious leaders in uh, this Jerusalem area. We have the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And there are some differences. Here's the important one for today. The Pharisees believed that there would be a resurrection of the dead. That at some point, God would raise everybody who had died um, 
and there would be you know, the judgment to follow, etc. The Sadducees believe, no, you die, that's it. It's over. There's nothing that follows this life. And so when Jesus says your brother will rise again, it's almost like he's uh, you know, kind of using those theological buzzwords. It's like, I'll show you which team I'm on. And then her response is as though that's what he's saying. And so she says, I know he will rise again at the resurrection of the last day. Theology high five, Jesus. <laughs> We're on the same side. We're on team Pharisee. <laughs> not like those Sadducees. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, but that's not what Jesus is talking about, is it? When he says, your brother will rise. He's not just talking about, hey, let's signal to each other about which team we're on. He's saying, I'm telling you something about your brother that's coming soon (laughs) and sooner than you realize. And so here, what we've had so far is Jesus has been meeting her right where she is, having the conversation that she's wanting to have, and yet he's going to push her a little farther to help her to where she needs to go. Here's what he says next. She's thinking he's talking about just the resurrection of the last day, but then Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? You want to talk theology, Jesus says. Let's talk theology. You want to talk about who I am and my close relationship with the Father? Let's talk about who I am and just how close that relationship is. I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, the resurrection of the dead, that does not just mean something that will take place someday. Which it will. It is more than just that. Is That resurrection is in me. Resurrection power is in me. The power of life itself is in me. Now, at this point, it seems that Martha has been looking at Jesus as a guy who, you know, prays a lot. And what Jesus is saying is much more than that. Much more than that. I am the resurrection and the life. And that this, what it means for him to be the resurrection and life is like we've been talking about of uh, where he says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy i have come that they may have life and have it to the full in other words jesus being the resurrection and the life is for the good of his people and then he asks her do you believe this Do you believe this? Do you believe that I am who I say I am? Do you believe that by believing in me, you will have life, real life, now and forever? Do you believe this? It's a good question. Do we? Her response is awesome. Verse 27. Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. I'll take you to a verse that we have looked at time and again in this series. John 
John writes in the end of chapter 20, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. What is it that Martha just said? She said, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. It's like word for word. John is saying, uh, if you believe that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God, what you will experience is life in his name. Jesus has just said to uh, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And she says, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And what does John say that's going to lead to? Life in his name. Why? Because he is the resurrection and the life. There will be more to come on this theme, especially as he gets into talking with his disciples the night before he dies. And we will we'll spend a lot of time on that. But for now, Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is a life. Um, but beyond that, he's also the one who not only gives us life, but he's also the one who cares about our lives and cares for our lives. He is the one who meets us where we are and helps us where we need to go. This is something that would be very good if we could do perfectly all the time. But even on our best days, we're pretty hit or miss on meeting people where they are. Even on our best days, we're pretty hit or miss on helping them where they need to go. Jesus gets it right. (laughs) He's the one who meets us where we are. He's the one who actually helps us where we need to go because he knows where we are. A lot of times, he knows where we are better than we know where we are. And he certainly knows where we need to go better than we know where we need to go. But he is the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in him will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in him will never die. Do you believe this? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.